So in our passage today, in the light of dawn on the Sea of Galilee, we find seven very, very disappointed, tired disciples. Chapter 21 begins with the words after these things. So let's look briefly at the context, the lead up to what is the last of three resurrection appearances to the disciples in John's gospel. So the disciples are in Galilee because Jesus has instructed them to go there. And they're waiting for him to arrive, as he said he would, but he hasn't arrived yet. So whether out of boredom or diligence or need, Peter has announced that he's going out to fish and the others volunteered to go with him. But the night passes and these professional fishermen catch nothing. So they begin to row back towards the shore. And then they see a man on the shore. But we're told they don't recognize him. He calls out, asking if they've caught any fish. And probably embarrassed, they admit they haven't. And then quite a bizarre suggestion from the stranger. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. They follow the suggestion. I've asked myself when I was reading this passage over the last few weeks, why on earth did they? Maybe a gut feeling. Maybe a weary realisation that they had nothing to lose. But when they do, they almost immediately feel the tug of the nets in their hands from a huge catch of fish, 153 to be precise. And at this point, recognition dawns on John. Remember John who wrote this. And he blurts out, it is the Lord. Peter, always the most impulsive one, was dressed in only an undergarment to fish. And he immediately puts on his outer garment and jumps into the water, probably reaching the shore just ahead of his companions. There follows what is perhaps the most joyful breakfast party ever. But you know, there's a little detail which I hadn't noticed until I was preparing this sermon. In verse 9, we read this. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. A charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus doesn't ask them to provide the breakfast, but to bring what they have to contribute. The loving Lord includes them in his work. He invites them to work with him. And as they haul the catch up the beach, a simple and beautiful invitation in verse 12, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. There are two things which struck me as I read this passage over the last weeks. Firstly, God calls us to be co-workers in his kingdom. As with the other miracles we've looked at in John's gospel, God's supernatural power was activated when people took a risk and did something. The man by the pool at Bethsaida had to obey that instruction to get up 
take up your mat and walk. A little boy had to offer up his packed lunch, which ended up feeding 5,000 people. The servants at the wedding in Cana had to fill up six enormous jars with water without having a clue why. Preparing this has reminded me to ask God to use me, to make me willing to offer him all I have to be used for his service. Do you remember the intimate conversation between a little boy in the temple and Almighty God in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10? Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. That little boy grew up to be one of Israel's greatest prophets. Maybe try taking a few moments sometime today to look at these verses again. First Samuel chapter 3. Substitute your name for Samuel's and recommit to listening to God, for he longs to speak to you and to work through you. No excuses, because he can work through you no matter how worthless you think you are, and no matter how old or how young you are. Secondly, in this passage, there is an invitation. Come and eat breakfast. God is a God of invitation. He does not compel, but he constantly invites. Come and see. Come and learn. Come and rest. Come and inherit And I have to remember to daily accept that invitation to see, to learn, to inherit. It's so easy, isn't it, to fail to show up. I sometimes imagine Jesus sitting waiting for me at a restaurant where he's booked a table for two. I don't show up. I'm seeing a friend, so he books for the next night and waits again. And I don't show up because I've prioritised a gym visit. He has more patience than I will ever have. God does not compel. In the area which matters most, he lets us choose. The author Max Lucado puts it like this. It would have been nice if God had let us order life like we order a meal. I'll take a good health and a high IQ. I'll pass on the music skills, but give me a fast metabolism. Would have been nice, but it didn't happen. When it comes to your life on earth, you weren't given a voice or a vote. But when it comes to life after death, you were. In my book, that seems like a good deal. Wouldn't you agree? But the Bible also makes it clear that this, the most important choice, has eternal consequences. Do you remember the parable which Jesus told in Luke 14, 
A man representing God invites people to a banquet. But those invited make a variety of lame excuses and they fail to show up. So others are invited and they come to the feast. On one level, this is a parable challenging the Jews' perception that as the chosen people, they were to be the only ones invited into relationship with God. But on another level, there's a clear warning for all of us in verse 24. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. There comes a point where the door will close and those who refuse the invitation will endure the hell of eternal separation from God. Many years before the coming of Jesus, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses stood before the multitude of the people of Israel and preached the ultimate challenging sermon, reminding them of choices and consequences as he begged them to renew their covenant with God. And what he says to them in these verses is as relevant to us now as it was then. 3,000 years ago. Verses 19 to 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants might live, loving the Lord your God obeying him and holding fast to him. We return to that wonderful scene on the beach, to the laughter, the animated conversation, the smell of bread and fish in the air. Come and eat breakfast, an invitation to spend time in Jesus' presence to dwell on his word, to receive the living water and the fullness of life he promised. So today, let's say a fresh and resounding yes.